Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Scrapbook, the podcast dedicated to all things digital art. I'm your host, Michele Colonna, and today I'm super excited to welcome Australian digital artist Lily Ilo. Lily, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so grateful to be here. It's lovely to meet you as well and see you on the screen, hear your voice. It's lovely. Likewise. I'm really looking forward to our talk, Lily, and uh, really understanding more about your approach to art making. I've come across your work in the last, I would say, two, three months, uh, started collecting it around the same time. And so this is a great opportunity to learn more, more about one of my favorite artists. And you are calling in from Australia, right? Yeah, it's yeah. the morning time here and my kids are just heading off to school. My son goes to early school maths, so he's off already. And my daughter has a swimming carnival day. So, Are you in a, in a rural setting or you're in the city? Uh, so it's suburban. Yeah, Canberra's, it's a city, but it's, you know, it's not not a city that you would know. <laughs> it's pretty yeah, rural. Yeah, well, it's the, ca- it's the capital of Australia. And so would it be, would you compare to DC size-wise? No, like it's like 400,000 people. Yeah. Wherever we drive, we see, you know, kangaroos and countryside. Really? Yeah, yeah. We have kangaroos in our front yard in um, the summertime. They come down, they need more water. It gets quite dry, so they come looking right. for juicy grass and things yeah are they are they are they aggressive or are they friendly uh they're the males can be quite muscly and pretty aggressive um and they also just don't have any sense like crossing the road at nighttime you have to be really careful if you're driving because they just come out of nowhere and oh, so just like deer, wow. yeah like deers and, i guess yeah and do they pose a threat as far as aggress- aggressiveness or no no i mean I think that the worst might be like if your dog was going to chase one, they would be quite aggressive to the dog. But um, just passing them generally, they just don't bother you too much. They might stand up and sort of defend <laughs> themselves. I feel a take bit a more stand, proud. right? Kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah they do, yeah, and they look yeah. you, they look at you, and it's a bit scary. But yeah, they're not going to well, attack. You, I think. Yeah, I mean, through TikTok and YouTube, there's a lot of videos out there of. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Of the kangaroos, you know, taking Box that aggressive, you know, stand, right, right. I don't know if it's like, you know, more like grandstanding than than it actually is. But yeah, um, I think more so. That's awesome. Okay, so let's turn our attention to art. I want to start with your your training, right? So you you, you come from a classical training uh, type of formation as an artist, right? Uh, MFA, residencies, exhibits, gallery direction. How do you reconcile that aspect of your life with the you know what I call the new dawn ethos of Web three? Mm. Mm, that's a great question because it's something that I've wrestled with in my life for sure like that kind of formal training was something that I went straight into and I feel like initially as a child I was around art my dad was an architect and he painted at home in with oils and from a very young age I was introduced to painting at an easel and we would paint um, on the weekends and he would, you know, teach us how to mix paints with turps and, you know, figure out landscape, you know, compositions and things that we could do. And then, you know, from a young age, I really wanted to be an artist. It's just all I wanted to do, either that or be a farmer, but like some kind of idyllic, sustainable farmer <laughs> with like one cow and a few chickens. But um, or maybe both. I could marry both. Or of maybe those. both. Yeah, yeah, definitely both. Yeah. Um, and so 
I was always trying to get better at the craft of, of drawing and painting. Um, so I, I badgered my parents to go and study life drawing when I was like 13. I oh, wow, was, wow. So the calling came that early in, early on in life. Yeah, wow. yeah, always. It's always yeah. been something I've done, like just drawing and painting. Uh, my dad, yeah, he's a huge influence in my in my life. And as an artist, I think he was happy to see his children creative like that. And he would really, you know, he was influential in kind of teaching us in, in a, like an informal way of like, understanding perspective or you know when I remember like early memories five or six years of age drawing a table and showing it to my my dad and he was like well a table has four legs this has two legs where are the other two legs and I remember like always wanting to impress him and wanting to kind of understand and learn those skills so I would then try and understand and observe more keenly what I was drawing, I suppose. Yeah, and, I don't know. And, but, it, but it was encouraged, right, from from both your parent, uh, from both the parents, right? The um, yeah, the art my making, mom, right? Yeah. My mom was like not. Um, she wasn't. I don't think I've got one drawing from my mom. So she didn't really do art in that sense, but she sewed and she taught me how to sew, and we patchworked and knitted and crocheted and things. Very old school skills grandma skills but yeah we we would do that instead with my mom and yeah so I I think I grew up around a lot of that crafts making woodwork my dad was a carpenter as well so we always had that around in the house um yeah so but from a really young age really wanting to do um to to get better at drawing and painting um so yeah I did like life drawing from 13 till about 19 and then went like straight into uni. But actually, like from high school to uni, I was feeling like I needed to ground myself in art history and like understand if I were to be an artist um, in any capacity in the world, I really wanted to understand where like the history of art and art history more strongly so that I could understand where I position myself or something I think sure so I did a bachelor of art history theory um and then did a master's of of curatorial studies um tacked on to the end of that that more theoretical study and then following that I was finally ready to go back to making so I started exhibiting and then applied to do my MFA in majoring in drawing. So wow, that's, yeah. that's fascinating. So, so you, you pursued a, an MFA in, was it drawing? Was it in? Uh, yeah, drawing. Yeah. yeah. But you also did one in curatorial services, right? Which I mean, so that would sort of add almost like a, it's almost like a warranty. I because, think doing my art theory degree and learning so much about the history of art really compelled me to want to curate shows and work in that space um right and yeah like you say a kind of warranty um i come from a family where my sister is a medical doctor and my brother is in works you know in black rock and he's you know very and so i kind of was like well i have to find how i can make a career in the arts and you know, survive. So I suppose I was looking at it from that perspective that I could work within the arts as well. Yeah, you can work in a museum or in a gallery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I did curate sh- some shows and was the director of an artist-run space in Sydney for a few years. And then at the end of my master's, I had a residency in Paris where my partner who is now my husband, came along. And we got so creative, we, we made a baby. <laughs> so, um, yeah. As so creative I came as back. it gets, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And I came back and um, finished my master's, hung my show with like an eight-month, oh, eight-week-old baby on my hip and uh, finished the master's thesis and things before she was born. But I then... Um, yeah, I was flung into being a mum, and I've got to say that really punctuated my art career um, to a big extent. And I think there was it was not just being you know in, unable to output work and have the time for art, but I finished up at my studio of my masters. I've closed up the studio. I was like well and truly at home with a baby, trying to figure out how to integrate those two worlds. And, you know, it's an interesting thing when you have a baby and you're an artist. I would go to like galleries and see curators and directors who I knew in Sydney. And I remember like several of them (laughs) saying, you know, oh, right. So you're a mum now. (laughs) And this real demarcation of, well, we'll forget you now. Interesting. Okay this kind yeah. of real punctuation in in other people's perception of you as well as my own perception of self right and I like, rest- like you couldn't carve your own space for creation and for art making right because you have a baby right yeah well i i think i bought into people's um perception expectation of that. yeah perception yeah. yeah and i didn't know where to go with that and then we had a second baby And then my husband decided, you know, he he was pursuing his career and we moved to Canberra, which meant I had two babies and under three years of age and I was in Canberra alone and no sort of supports. So I kind of feel like my experience of motherhood was um, protracted in that sense because I was alone and had two babies. And I didn't really know how to get back into the art scene or to go back into a work environment with babies and no mm-hmm. kind of you know they get sick and you have to figure out what you do if they right. get sick and you're working so i i pivoted and tried to figure out how i could work from home with babies and make a career so right. i worked more into coding and learned how to code and um, went into design and was making, and still I'm making websites and brand design. Oh, wow, Mostly okay. for doctors, actually. Um, doctors and surgeons. So I have the design background as well. And I taught myself code whilst the babies were at home and um, and then have been able to build quite a successful studio doing that um, from home, which is great. Um, but I think because of that, my identity I had to kind of let go of that idea that I would be an artist ever. Oh, wow. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually something really that I had to grieve for some time, settled into the sense of I won't be an artist in this in this life. And then COVID came and my, my kids are a bit older now. And during COVID was obviously jumped into crypto and was researching that and researching that for my children really because I wanted to understand this right. technology would be 
would impact their lives one day. So I was kind of, I've always been interested in learning what is new. So yeah, I jumped into crypto, was exposed to NFTs and started to understand, okay, wow, this is a potential opportunity yeah. for me to step back into the arts in some way. And I didn't what, really what was know. That, what was that? I'm sorry to interrupt, but uh, yeah. I'm, I'm interested in understanding. Like, what was the first perception of it? Was it was it overwhelming? Because I feel like it's been the same for all of us, like us, you know, yeah. coming into the space the first time. And um, as we try to make sense of like this new world, right? But at the same time, it's something very, very obvious, right? Hits you in the face, right? Which is the, the scale and the... Um, and the variety and the quality too, right? And uh, uh, I mean, at least it was for me, but it sounds like it was the same uh, same reaction for you, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I remember just getting so excited for what was possible. And yeah, a real rekindling of my artistic career and wanting to create, which I had sort of put on the back burner. I mean, I had been throwing myself into design work for clients and you know, I'm designing a lot of different um, illustrations and medical illustration and brand design, which is all very creative. And I think I had accepted, oh, well, I get to still be creative in my career. And right, right, right. That'll do. <laughs> and then, yeah, seeing what was possible, just that that concept that you can reach such an incredible audience, a global audience for your work and create and, and exhibit and and get some sort of financial return for your efforts yeah, in a right. collecting sort of way. I mean, yeah, it was incredible, so exciting. So yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, it was a good way to re-enter making. And so it sounds like it was pretty seamless for you, right? Um, obviously, your uh, you know your website design, your design agency, right? Uh, the mm-hmm. coding, right? I'm sure, kind of eased the transition into the space and Mm -hmm. but would you say that the classical training um kind of helped at least from the artistic perspective uh to uh you know as you settled in into web3 or or you would you say it had nothing to do with it and it's like you could have come from working at a bank and and discovered web3 and been just as um as successful or as uh Uh, no i would say that it does help in some ways for me i think i identified just how um, how much potential was in the space from a, a gallery perspective, having run galleries. Mm-hmm. Even that concept that you can connect with artists um, in DMs and interact with artists and collectors so openly and it's so immediate that you can build connections in that way. I was never great with networking in person in galleries. I'm quite an introvert. So on Twitter, it's a different thing and you can really interact and get to know people, which is quite incredible. So I think I did identify that very early on that this was an exciting space to be in um, and to kind of leverage that with your, you know, with your art practice is something that is very possible. Um, yeah. And, and at the same time, I think it's also just something about being around new technology that then led me to yeah. explore AI and, be open to that and also to recognize the historical moment that we're in, um, right. which, you know, yeah, it, it, first and foremost, histori- yeah, because it is historical for sure. I'm, I'm glad yeah. you, you emphasized so much. Yeah. And I couldn't, I couldn't give up an opportunity to be present and witness such a historic moment in art. You know, I think having studied 
art history, I never really thought that I would get to live through a period of time like, you know, the camera being invented or, you know, um, modernism coming along and, you know, people like really challenging what creative outputs are, are being made and, and to be witness to that is just incredible in this moment. Yeah. So, yeah, I just kind yeah, of been it's um it's a one of a kind opportunity in life you know to watch it unfold as we as we speak right as we live our, our daily lives right and kind of really be, uh, be you know being an an integral an integral part of the of the movement right and the uh, because it, it, it when it's all when history will be written when it's all said and done and we look back this is probably one of the most defining moments it's the moment you know we literally cross uh, that digital threshold right where mm. uh, you know there's somewhat of a not coming back from it right because uh, it's just it's just going to be the new no the new normal right and uh, and you know with more and more people uh, well during covid it was a much bigger adaptation but eventually there will be there'll be a gradual migration right of people coming to the digital space so we 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 are here, you know. We've been here for the last two three years, kind of watching it happen, and uh, it is, but it is something special to be, uh, you know, to to you know witness it firsthand. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We I got agree. a front row seat, front row seat. <laughs> Even just yeah. you know, we're we're trying to figure out language to put to these new things like post photography yeah. and is it yeah. synthetic photography or AI photography? Right. What are we going to call it? The language is actually something yeah. so fascinating that we're. Yeah grappling with just in the moment yeah and uh, yes you're absolutely right and it's not happening without a fight you know there's um you know there's and i, I totally get it it's um you know it comes with the territory right as new new practices new new movements new currents you know take hold uh there's the struggle between the establishment or uh, and the newcomers right and uh and there's you know there's val valid points on both on both sides right um and you know, post post photography is one that I think it's uh, it's touched a nerve, right? And it's kind of um, creating a, a little bit of a stir. But you know, eventually, like you said, it will find its own classification. It will find its own uh, iteration. And uh, and you know, like photography did at you know um, early century, you know, past century, right? Um, kind of fought the skeptics, and then eventually. Uh, prevailed and established itself as a legitimate, you know, um, fine art form. So, yeah, I believe that identity is one of the um, the core elements of the human experience. Um, it's also front and center in your work. Uh, it's a theme that you explore consistently. Can you share with us how identity influences your work, and uh, most importantly, how do you address it through your work? Mm. Thank you. Um, yeah, look, identity is for sure, it's absolutely integral to my work. And um, I think all portraiture in some way, um, you know, has to focus on the identity of the subject, but also potentially the artist. Um, but I think, you know, I've always been somebody who is intrigued by humans. Um, I've always watched humans and observed people from uh, potentially, I guess, from the outside, I've, I've sometimes often felt like I'm on the outside of things. Um, and that's maybe just my introversion, but I, I have always keenly observed human nature. Um, and then, yeah, I've, I've been interested in how people do life, um, and like the everydayness of life. Um, 
just the reality of being human and, you know, with our <laughs> nuanced sort of insecurities and um, our failings and, you know, emotions of disappointment and sadness and pathos and things have always drawn me to um, the subject of portraiture. And, you know, I used to collect um, found photographs as a child. Like we we would go to antique stores or flea market sort of things. <clears throat> and I would always be drawn to these found photos of um, past humans who had been abandoned in some way, you know, left these little traces in shops of their, you know, previous lives, little black and white photos, and I collected them. I've got thousands of them. Um, um. And I think they've always fascinated me, that concept that, you know, the portrait that's taken is a kind of signifier of death, of their passing, that passing moment, but also these what what happens when we go and, and what's left behind. I don't know. Those things have always intrigued me, the mm. poeticness of that. And now, do you find do you find that your subjects are they? And I've been trying. I was trying. I was trying to decipher that. Do you find? Do you do you think that your subjects are well settled into their identity, or are they struggling with it? Are they because to me, um, the the stronger, in my opinion, the stronger the 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 sense of identity in a people, in an individual, in a the the, the more uh, sort of um, not successful, but the more well-rounded that person or that people you know that that, that culture will be because uh because you know a strong sense of identity informs a uh, a being right and therefore you know provides that decisiveness of of behavior um and it just makes for a much more rounded uh, individual or people right so do you find that your subjects are you know very very comfortable in their identity or do you feel like it's more of a I don't know, a struggle or however you may want to define it. Mm. I love that that reading. I think that's really interesting uh, because uh, I will say that I myself as a person feel more and more comfortable in my identity and who I am in the world only with age <laughs> and the wisdom that raising families and, and doing life has given me. That perspective I don't think I understood that as a younger artist and you know as a you know 20 something and with that security of self and I'm not saying that I know myself very well but I do think I have a sense of what I will accept and what I won't accept and there's a kind of dignity in that moment just being able to accept yourself and I think for me, like I had to go through a period of gr grieving being an artist or not being an artist in my in my life. And I can relate to people who maybe have to give up that dream and then to come full circle and be making again from that place uh, is a really interesting space to navigate. And so I feel like I try and bring a dignity to the subjects that I'm making um, and they are quite solid in who they are. Um, and that is something that has always been important to me. I think it comes down to 
you know, understanding the gaze and um, the subjects that I try to represent are quite often looking back at the viewer um, with that sense of, you know, strength and because they're looking directly at the viewer. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's always been something that's quite important to me in portraiture, especially portraiture of women. Um, Yeah, because obviously the gaze, you know, the male gaze has such a long history in in art and and I think that I really wanted to empower my subjects and have that as yeah that is something that's very integral to the making of the works that I'm thinking right through. so there is a stoicism right in there um, stoicism um, yeah 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 and I mean it, it it does come through it, it does read through but you know I wanted to um I did wanted to ask I just wanted to get your your opinion now I noticed that you do some pretty impressive collecting of your own, right? <laughs> um, what is your approach to collecting? Is is it second nature, or meaning is it a way to give back to the community and your fellow, you know, so supporting your fellow artists, or or is there more of an intent in the in, in collecting? Ah, oh, yeah, I do collect um, quite a lot. I think more so because I've joined so the Tazos right? community. <laughs> <laughs> Tazos is incredible for collecting, um, quite addicting and. Um, I did collect on ETH a little bit, but, um, you know, you have to be a bit more selective, obviously, on ETH as to who you're collecting. Whereas on Tezos, you can be a bit more playful, I think, uh, which is lovely. So, yes, to some extent, I do feel like I make decisions to collect from friends and support people that I'm, you know, building relationships with. Absolutely. Absolutely. and that was the same before Web3, you know, in real life, I would collect work from friends and colleagues who I was, you know, my contemporaries who I was working with in studios and in the gallery system. Um, and I think I am also trying to collect historical AI pieces um, oh, wow. because okay. I do feel like that's um, for my children. Maybe that's. <laughs> Maybe that's their future. I mean, sure. I'm I'm not. I don't have a house to in, endow them with, or I don't have wealth, you know. So I'm wondering, yeah. maybe this is an opportunity, and and that is definitely something that I see as yeah potential for that. Yeah, much. yeah. So so there's, so there's definitely an intent there, right? There's um there's there's a purpose, right, to the collecting, right? It's a uh, it sounds like it's the you know the the drive of you know any collector right to uh, you know put together a purposeful collection right that reflects a, yeah. you know a particular uh, style a particular interest a particular taste level um, that you know eventually becomes a you know uh, an important body of work that is collected right through the years and it becomes yeah. in a way a legacy right for you for you know for you as well that you know at one point you uh, well you know, you know like there's no institutional collection like what artists are building at the moment especially of this early ai work you know institutions will come to this very late and you know try and gather collections with such depth and breadth you know from the early ai period when that happens i'm not sure but in australia you know that would be you know follow on from america i would say america would be the first where we would see that or europe maybe but Australia will, you know, trail behind, um, uh-huh. and maybe I'll have this incredible collection of AI work that's, you know, could be could be viewed in some way um, as a complete collection one day. Who knows? But yeah, listen, um, it's 
there's I think in collecting there's room for everybody, right? Because certainly you can have the, you know, you can have the means and uh, you know to, um, you know, go for the for the big important works, right? And then there's also the you know the I always go back to the I don't know if you're familiar with Urban Dorothy, right? There to um, it was a married couple. They um, they put together one of probably one of the most important collections of of modern art on a uh, U.S. Postal Service and a library a salary. I think. Wow. Um, they were just out there every single day, just like visiting galleries, visiting visiting studios, and buying from up and coming artists that were nobody at the time. But it was just the the, the commitment, the uh, the relentlessness, and the and just being there early enough, right? And uh, kind of and believing more more than anything, right? And uh, there's actually there's a wonderful movie out there. It's a it's a documentary. A Japanese director, um, uh, women director, did it a few years back and covers their lives and their collection. I'd um, love to see it. Her, uh, I think it's called um, something Urban Dorothy. I think it's called Urban Dorothy. But uh, but yeah, I mean it's you know it's it's for everybody, right? You don't really need. Um, the billions. If you have the, if you have the, I think if you have the self assurance and you have the, the vision uh, as to what you like and you are decisive about what you like and what you're going to pursue. And uh, I think there's 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 enough art out there that we can all carve our own path, right, and put together our own, you know, our own private collection. Um, yeah, Lily, there's a Victorian aesthetic to your AI portraits, whose uh, whose subjects exude, you know, some degree of constraint, uh, dignity, and composure. Um, I mean, at least that's what I see. What are you trying to communicate to us through them? Yeah, uh, look, I, I've always been um, drawn to portraits. And like I mentioned, you know, collecting old photos, quite often, I, I guess, in old found photos, they're quite often quite staged and the portrait is of a person looking directly out at the viewer. So maybe that does inform my aesthetic, what I'm looking for when I'm making work, um, the Victorian era. Yeah. It's interesting you say that. I guess that it also comes down to like that wood paneled room and it's a bit stuffy and, um, that sort of aesthetic is interesting coming through, but, um, the, the wood and the fabric, the patterning is something that I'm prompting into AI and it's important to me, those those things, I, I started to kind of gather references for my prompting um, based on um, what's important to me. And as an experiment, a research project, I suppose, with the AI to see what, what would happen. Um, and, you know, reflecting on my childhood home where I grew up um, and the narratives around that home and my dad as a carpenter, it's all sort of tied into the narratives that I'm trying to explore with these works. Um, so the house where we grew up, um, when I was a child, my dad was um, renovating it and he's an architect and a carpenter and he had like a workshop in one end of the house where it was sort of he was making all of the, the things and he'd knock down walls and he was building out the back and yet the house was being eaten by termites at the same at oh, the wow, same wow. moment. Um, wow. So it was a wooden like um, wooden house from the outside. Um, uh, what do they call that? Wood wood cladding or um, weatherboard sort of thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. 
and it was being eaten. <laughs> so he would wake in the night and listen to this ants eating his house and his everything he'd put into that house for his family um, had to be destroyed. So we had to move from that house in the end because it couldn't be rescued. Oh, really? Wow. Because, I mean, there is treatment for termite, but they couldn't? It was that, I think that advanced? it was so riddled. It was riddled. Yeah. Um, oh. yeah, it's an interesting thing. It just, so I'm trying to work with that metaphor of um, holes in your home. Um, and my dad at the moment uh, is wrestling with dementia and he's elderly and my mum is looking after him as well. And so I'm having conversations with, with them both about AI and crypto. <laughs> it's really like the only two people that know that I'm doing this work um, apart from my right. immediate family. And they're fascinated. You know, they're, they both turn 80 this year and they always ask, how's, how's AI going or how's, how's the NFTs? And they're all, they um, follow me on Twitter and, you know, want to see what's happening. They're, I think they're so happy to see my energy back for creating and making. And right, 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 right. So it's lovely to share it with them. And, and so I will talk to my dad about his past and, and ask him for, like, prompt ideas around different woods or different treatments of carpentry, joinery and um and so I'm trying to build that into the process of what I'm making, um, trying to explore his his story a little bit. And I don't know what drives me there. Um, he's a really interesting fellow. I think after that house, uh, he really was burnt out from building and being an architect and lost um, all the energy for making. And we moved to another house where he would draw plans and ideate around what we would do with that house because it was really run down. And we were there for 14 years and he never made. And it was quite a stagnant time and I think he was quite depressed and that, you know, the termites eating his masterpiece, you know. It's sure, really sure, yeah. Interesting metaphor. And I resonate with it in some ways just in terms of my life and maybe saying goodbye to the potential mm -hmm. of being an artist in some ways I feel for him too. His potential as an architect, you know, he used to talk so incredibly about modernist architects like Mies van der Rohe and yeah. Harry Seidler in Sydney. And yet how do you grapple with never achieving that or not quite having that legacy left behind. And so I'm trying to explore that. What is that? And how do we, how do we celebrate just humans, <laughs> you know, without yeah, that? Uh, yeah. I mean, life comes at us in, in so many different, in, in so many different facets, right? There's uh, and it's a combination, right? Of luck, circumstances. Uh, some of us, it, you know, it comes in the most uh, unhindered way and, uh, you know, without any, uh, obstacles and it just you know it just happens right I and mean, for a lot of us it happens with a lot of struggle for a lot of people it just doesn't come at all and uh, i i'm from the perspective that to the extent that you were always engaged in the process of creation of of moving your own personal envelope forward or pushing you know the, your 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 own boundary forward i feel like it was definitely a um a life well lived right um so 
sounds like you know there was a little bit of an ex- existential not crisis but um you know a moment of of doubt right when it says you know i've done all this work i've done um i've i've put all this work into this house i've designed it and now you know having to move because obviously it was um you know destroyed by the termite you know it could it could make for you know quite a a setback, right? Um, and I'm, you yeah. Know, I'm assuming it could be also, you know, psychological too. So, but I, like I said, it's ultimately to the extent that uh, there was always that element of wanting to, of wanting to build, I wanted to make one bigger than something bigger than yourself. I feel like it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's a service to oneself and a service to some way in you know, humanity, whether it's through uh, the, the what was added to the conversation in general, right? From that, from that. Uh, from the creative output, right? So I can, I can totally uh, understand your father's perspective. Not an easy place to be in, right? But we have to be somewhat our own, uh, we have to be our own uh, best advocates, right? And kind of like be less self, you know, self-condemning, right? In a way. Right? And, yeah, that's right. But, yeah, so um, I, I suppose I am trying to celebrate him. Yeah. <laughs> But but there is an element. Back to the question, there is an element. I mean, there is some an element. Do you say or ornateness? There's, you know, there's like especially on the costumes end of the of the subjects. You know, they have these like really elaborate and ornate. Uh, their capes, their mantles, their dresses, their you know whatever they are, right? So yeah. And very colorful and very rich in patterns. And then, like you said, these rich interiors. And I feel like you want us to to really indulge in this sort of like visual kaleidoscope with this visual yeah it's not minimal hey <laughs> yeah. um yeah but no, it's I... stunning it's beautiful it's gorgeous oh thank you it's um i think i have always like i've loved collecting things in my life um and part of that is fabrics patterns i'm always drawn to pattern design and um so and you know i used to patchwork as a child and i have a lot of paraphernalia around textiles. I, I learned how to make lace, bobbin lace making and things. So I try and bring everything that I am to the AI prompting and see how that all combines together. And it's like a soup, I suppose. And you're putting in ingredients and, and seeing how that creates an identity for you as an artist and a style that resonates with you. Um, and then I initially like approached AI with a kind of researcher's mind and uh, what, what's possible here and can, can you get your own style with AI? Because at the time I um, started working with AI, it was, uh, you know, version three of Midjourney. The outputs that were coming through were all very similar. You could see artists, you know, grappling with the same aesthetics and the same right, 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 sort right. of um angel-like symmetry of these portraits of women but really similar sort of outputs coming through and that didn't interest me at all but I wanted to see how far you could push it and then yeah so I just was playing seeing what was possible and yeah it becomes like I think the more you bring yourself to those tools the more interesting it can get um yeah and and we're a v5 we're at uh, version five now right with mid-journey right yeah, with Midjourney now. I mean, I, I've moved away from Midjourney. I'm using Stable and Dali. Um, mm. But yeah, V5 seems to be producing su- such perfect outputs, especially in that post-photography. Yeah, so in, so in such a short period of time, right, the, like, let's say the time that went between V3 and V5, the collective body of knowledge that 
that you know that that informs AI, right? That informs mid journey in this case, is so exponentially fast. It's so exponent. It, it's so you know. You understand my question? It 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 yeah. it increases that 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 much that much more. Yeah, huh? it's, it's interesting, you know, to watch the learning going on there. Um, you know, in the latent space, the mind of the you know the mechanical computer mind learning these new skills. It's quite an incredible thing. Frightening, but at the same time, uh, fascinating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and speaking of AI, um, I mean, it's a key tool in your toolbox for sure. How do you work with its imperfections and serendipity? Do you do you try to mask it and quietly conceal it, or do you embrace it and just let it be? Uh, yeah, I think you know the answer to this, but <laughs> I, I love do, I do I love I um, the imperfections, of course. Um, Oh my goodness, it's uh, something that you can only imagine possible uh, through these tools. You know, no artist has been painting like this before or or producing imagery like this before. So to <coughs> me, it's something very special to honour and and hold up to the light because it's it it shows that collaborative um potential between artist and the tool and that output when there's like six fingers eight fingers <laughs> right i love it i mean i i don't understand needing to make that perfect to right. i i have no qualms with having a hand like that because to me it signifies the tool within the work and it and that's not something to shy away from i'm happy about that and it shows a collaboration that's going on there, and I embrace it. I, I will always embrace that. Yeah. Well, in a way, I think it's um, um, what's the right word? It's, you know, it, it's a way to acknowledge the tool, right, and to kind of acknowledge, appreciate it, and give it its due respect, its due, and acknowledge its role, right, as opposed Great. to, as opposed to, you know, kind of correcting it finessing it almost hiding it right to a point that's like okay uh maybe yeah maybe it was maybe it wasn't ai you know it could have been me or me but uh uh but what you're saying is like you know what it's it's almost like a a, a, a taking taking a stand of pride that like you know what uh i am confident that i'm using this tool um it's it doesn't take away from the of my value as an artist right um and uh and i'm going to be very very open with it and i'm going to uh, showcase in all its flaws and it's all the in all its glories right and um, yeah yeah I'm not, and I'm not gonna hide anything yeah there's something so poetic with um those outputs they they shock me and they hit me so deeply um the beauty in them and so I don't understand why we are or you know why I as an artist would want to hide that I understand some people are looking to create something that's maybe really realistic or um yeah to hide those imperfections or to but i have no need to like prove that i can do that i i i could do that but it's not something that you have to yeah it's not it's not part of my conceptual process to prove that i can alter and use photoshop to alter a hand to make it perfect right um, right right and that's always been the case from the very beginning when I started with AI. I just always loved those imperfections. And so I think I just <laughs> I sort of champion them in the same way 
you know, it to me it it marks a certain period of learning that the AI is sitting in. The same as like when I look at my children's drawings from their childhood when they were young and there's developmental phases that I can see within their work. You know, there's a phase where the child draws a human with a circle and legs and arms coming off that circle. And then, you know, a couple of months later, you'll see the same child pop a head on top of a body and then have the arms and legs come off that body. And that's, that's the brain really recognizing and observing what's happening, you know, in front of it and observing more detail, understanding that a head is separate to this mass of body. Yeah. And that's a phase that you can see literally in your children's drawings. And I feel the same with AI. Like we're going we're through the same, uh, the same process. Yeah. Yeah. We're witnessing that yeah. learning. It's beautiful. It's there's yeah. something so beautiful in it. And well, with that in mind, I have a question for you. So the, your recent work, the, uh, is it the key or the keys? I think it's the key, right? Okay. Yeah. The key, which my God, how do I describe that play that piece other than stunning and and spectacular? <laughs> so, did you have the uh, did you have the final result in mind before you even started, or did it come about as you went as as you went about the work? Yeah, it, it reminds me of a Klimt piece, you know. You're very kind. That's but is that in your honor. mind, or, or uh, like are you able to envision that, or or you discovered it as you go as you go along? Um, I. I did have a sense that I wanted it to be very patterned. Um, I was working on several different pieces for this drop um, because uh, Toko Deco had come to me asking for me to imagine a key. And I have a key that um, my dad <laughs> gathered from a house. He was um, always working on properties, renovating or um restoring like old historic houses in Sydney because he comes from that, you know, carpenter joiner background. And he found this key on this property and he kept it. He probably shouldn't have, but he did. And we have this key in the in the family now. And it's quite a, a large, um, beautiful old um, tooled key. So I was initially drawn to that as an object and I thought, how could I imagine that? Um, and I wasn't sure whether I would just do a sort of more abstract work with just a key, but I always come back to portraits. Um, there's something, (laughs) I don't know, just (laughs) always drawn to them. Um, and so I was trying to figure out, okay, I want this to be very patterned because it's, I wanted it to stand out from my current practice, which is a bit more geometric and, and wood inlay. Um, and talk back more to the era that this key belongs to that my dad took from the house. It's from, um, I guess, colonial Australia. So the building was very colonial. They had lots of fabrics. I remember visiting it as a child and uh, they had this incredible laundry room, like a linen cupboard full of linen and fabrics. And I remember thinking, one day I'll have a cupboard like that full of beautiful fabrics. And so I was really trying to hark back to that, those fabrics, the patterns um, in the work. And in 
away, I have this key and I intend to return it to the house once my dad passes because I don't want him to get in trouble, but also (laughs) I feel a weight (laughs) of carrying this key around with me. So I will return it. But um, so I wanted to kind of have a self-portrait in some ways of of me with this key. So what yeah. what a way to what a way to mark that and to 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 remember that. Uh, so the house still exists, and you know you know which which house it is. Sounds like right. Yeah, it's oh, a, love a pretty prominent uh, colonial heritage yeah. house. Well, I mean the, the 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 work itself, you know, kind of mirrors the the ornateness of the key because it is it is one of those like you know chunky keys right that you know they were probably opening this giant door right this you know this this like three meter tall door right yeah um yeah. And so so was the drop was that the theme of the drop because it sounds like it was several artists right participating yeah the, there the were artists participating in this um it's actually lawrence fuller who is doing um oh lawrence does, yeah yeah i love lawrence yeah sure yeah so he does chess um through Twitter spaces and he's doing a, he did a chess themed drop himself. And now he's, um, he's asked Toko to curate a group of artists who will um, sort of accompany his drop. And I think in some ways this key is, it unlocks some functionality if you hold certain pieces from the drop um, to have some interaction with an in real life game of chess in New York at oh, in, in wow. NFT NYC. So, oh, um, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So the key is uh, specifically was the only key in the in the collection. The rest are about chess, more about chess, chess okay. and being. Okay. Gotcha. 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 So I want I want to uh, switch gear and kind of want to take the opportunity of 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 exploring a little bit the gender issue, and you know I want to address it from the women's perspective. Do you think of yourself as an artist and, you know, and the fact that you're a woman is almost second nature and quasi irrelevant or is it key to your identity? It's key to my identity. It's not irrelevant. Um, and that's because the lived experience is real and it informs right. you as you, yeah, as you good go. Good and bad, right? Yeah, good and bad, yeah. Mm. So I can't extricate that out of who I am. <laughs> and you know it certainly does inform my work um when i came into the nft space i was struck by the fact that there was little representation that i identified with in the space as a woman um and that was you know in 2021 there was lots of pfp projects but few that i really resonated with i know there was world of women and there was a few other projects that were women re- women led but I am, yeah, I'm not a sexualized woman. I don't, I don't identify in that way um, as much as the imagery that I saw in the space, especially was quite sexualized women. Right. Um, yeah, artworks of women really sexualized. And I just couldn't find something that was speaking to me. Um, so... I did a series called Winter Women, and that's what's on OpenSea. And there was some portraits um, of women in woolly jumpers. And um, and that was kind of my first step into the space, trying to wrestle with that and sense of identity and inclusion and having a bit more diversity, what's there. Interesting, okay. 
Yeah. And so then, yeah, I think it's absolutely integral to who I am. Um, yeah. Being a mother, being a woman. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess with that first project, it was sort of, uh, um, kind of your way to say, well, you know, this is what's out there. This is what's being represented. Let me state my position, right? Let me let me share my point of view, right? Let me create art or you know or showcase art that speaks to my yeah to my aesthetic and my 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 vision, right? And you confidently put it out there, right? What what was what I'm curious what the, what was the reaction because I'm so I'm sure it appeared as new and and different and fresh right compared to everything else that's out there you know um, yeah it, uh, look it was well well supported and um, it was sort of a gradual drop of pieces every week uh, for about five weeks mm-hmm. um, yeah no it was very well supported and I think you know there are other people like me out there who are mostly in jeans and a jumper. And um, so it resonated with other women um, and men collected the piece as well, the pieces. But, um, yeah, it was a fun project for me to get back into creating and into portraiture. Um, And, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's I don't know if you, you haven't seen it, I don't think, but it's still in my colors (laughs) colors <laughs> my favorite my favorite color is like burnt umber so there's oh, a wow. lot of well i'll definitely look at it for the show for sure um <laughs> but now would you say that um the you know the female presence is is growing uh not only in size but in qu- in quality in uh um uh, you know, in 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 uh, you know, in addition to the conversation, that's uh, as far as con- contributing to the conversation in the space overall. Would you say that? I or? think so. I do think so. Um, I still think there's you know underrepresentation across the board of women. Um, however, you know, there's really incredible female artists in the space who um, I would consider some of my closest friends and. Um, you know, that's within the AI space, but also elsewhere there's, you know, there's really incredible women-led projects that have come into the space and yeah, it's heartening to see, but I still think there's a huge um, disparity there, you know, even right. who is being curated into shows or asked to speak on panels at things like NFT NYC or quite often they're like segregated into a, a speaking panel for women. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. You know, and I hate that. Yeah, it that's be the, weird. <laughs> that's we all need bad. to be at the same table, you know. <laughs> uh, let's 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 designate two panels to, um, you know, to women artists. Oh, yeah, to creators and uh, and let's put them together, right? <laughs> Instead of yeah, uh, yeah, over there, uh, yeah, over there. <laughs> um, yeah, it's unfortunate, but um, uh, but you know, I guess it's. It's same as everything else, right? I feel like it's it's not just uh, uh, you know the crypto space. Yeah, um, yeah, we need the voices of many to have a yeah. cross section of society, and and that's you know diversity of all kinds is really important. And I do feel like Web three, we we have you know there's lots of narratives around Web three offering us that opportunity to kind of reset and and you know open it up to more voices and even tools like AI really does kind of democratize the access yeah. to creativity and and voices that maybe we will have not heard because they haven't had any formal training or they don't have access to tools and materials all of a sudden have access to creating and 
um, from that we'll have more diversity in the space. And yeah, that's you know that's a great point. And I wonder if AI presents a unique opportunity for female artists to really take charge and and you know kind of lead the way because there is a lot of uh, there are quite a few female voices. You know, I'm thinking about the Ivona Taos. I'm thinking about you know yeah. you. I'm thinking about. Um, uh, who else? There's there's so many of them, and uh, so it's great that you know that we can say that uh, you know it's it's a field of um, you know it, it's 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 a field it's uh, a segment of the uh, of the art world where yeah it, c- it could be female led for sure. So yeah, um, super yeah, exciting. And I think for people who are you know maybe less able or have, you know, less, um, access, you know, you know, in a sense, I think that's also really exciting to see what creative output and what narratives will come from that. Yeah. We're here for it. Yeah. We're all here for it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, let's talk about color. Um, you know, color study is one of the, one of the defining elements of your, of your art, right. Which, uh, you know, you leverage in a masterful way. Um, borderline, I would say borderline genius. <laughs> um, that's true. It's true. It's true. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, you know, these are not false praises. This is, this is, uh, true. I, mean, I feel like nobody does color the way you do it. Uh, I mean, can you share how color theory informs your work and, you know, how you achieve these magical, uh, tableaus? Mm, thank you. That's very kind. It's too kind, but, um, yeah, with color, I think I am really drawn to like my favorite, tones are very earthy browns and that's always been the case it's also what I'm drawn to wear as well um and I think you can't really go wrong when you pair things with brown um I know it sounds silly but uh that's probably as like in-depth color theory as I get um neutrals and earth tones you know provide an incredible base canvas for introducing color in an interesting way um so that's definitely i guess consciously what i'm what i'm thinking through with color um and at the same time uh ai can sometimes really surprise you with what it imagines with what you're prompting and so sometimes i'm guided by that as well and you know my process with ai is to initially prompt in stable diffusion and then i move across to outpaint with other tools sometimes dali sometimes runway and sometimes within like stable diffusion itself and that outpainting process allows you to be selective with how you introduce or um or erase sections of the initial prompt. So you can be quite um, specific in how you curate that um, output further from the initial. And I find that the most interesting place where I really feel like it is this collaborative back and forth. Right. Um, you know, further from just the written prompt, you have this ability to um, have control more control over what's actually happening and that's where i think you can kind of really focus on what you want to bring out of the work um but yeah so uh, yeah I, i don't know like i have no real formal color training um i just think i've got an eye for that i don't know i don't know how to explain it 
I didn't go through um, like a Bachelor of Fine Arts or something. I never did formal training. Right, 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 right. My master's was a research project and that was, you know, a kind of contained study that I did really without that kind of formal theory, color theory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, to me, it's the, one of the main characteristics of the of, of the collective works, right? It's just the, it's, it's a, it's a common thread to me, you know, aside from the, mm. the richness of the, of the subjects, right? It's more the, you know, the way color is interpreted and the way it's, um, it, you know, whether it's on the interiors, whether it's on the clothing, whether it's on the, uh, backdrops, it just makes for a really, really amazing overall experience, you know, looking at the work, right? And, uh, thank um, you. Yeah. Very, very special. Can you talk to me? I'm, I'm, uh, borderline obsessed with the uh, Inglewood heat it's it's Inglewood heat right that uh uh Inglenook Inglenook oh, oh I know yeah. it's not Inglewood I don't know what I <laughs> Inglenook heat um I mean, that, that, <laughs> Inglenook heat I mean that piece packs a punch uh, as far as I'm concerned um uh, what what's what's behind like what's what, what 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 is it about I mean it's just it's just spectacular yeah, thank you. I, I was really happy with that piece um, for the show. Uh, so uh, I, in this house where we grew up, we had an Inglenook, which is, I suppose, a word that is like an old Scottish word for the hearth of the house, which, um, but it was like this little nook of, of off the living room. It was sort of built into the room and had these wooden chairs either side of a big fireplace and then two little windows. And it's a cosy space, I suppose. But um, when I was building this piece and it has such a square structure behind the portrait of the two men, it reminded me of this cosy space and they're all wrapped up in their fur. Um, so I really, like, it reminded me of the Inglenook where, where I grew up. Um, and um, is, it, is it typical of a, Scot a Scottish household, the, the Inglenook? Oh, I'm, I think so. I, I did some research into the word and the heritage is, goes back to Scotland. So I, I'm assuming so. Um, and the house we grew up in was kind of um, a federation house, but it had this interesting room which is not common in Australia really to have a fireplace and a room built just for that um it was such a beautiful house my memory of it anyway um right and then I remember I recall this story of my dad telling me he was houseminding with a friend when he was younger at uh Harry Seidler house in a, in Sydney and he, he told me he, Harry Seidler had this beautiful fur rug on the bed and so he took his clothes off and lay on the rug naked and just felt the fur to his skin. And, you know, obviously that story impresses on a child um, <laughs> <laughs> somewhat. <laughs> so I have held on to this memory and when I was prompting these, this, these figures with the fur, I, I was thinking of him and, uh, he's quite an interesting fellow. I, I sort of think there's a lot of secrets that are untold around his identity and, and who he is, who he considers himself to be. Um, yeah, and so I, I've always wondered about my dad 
And this story just sat in my mind. So it, it made sense for me to build this scene. Yeah. Wow. And no, it's, it's, and it's a spectacular work. I mean, it's just, uh, it's, it's gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Uh, it's interesting. I was, I obviously showed my dad afterwards and he, he's, his memory is going obviously because he has dementia and, and he said, how do you remember these things? <laughs> Because it will spark something, and his long-term memory is really great. Yeah, yeah, it's more yeah. the short term. Yeah. And so then he and, he was telling me, you know, all the things he remembers from that night and and being there with his friends. So it's nice. Right. And what what um what show was it part of that work? Uh, that was the camp creme drop. Oh, you did. Oh, that was part of the. Oh, it was part of camp. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I didn't know that. Just I'm just can't remember. Yeah, um, yeah. And that just happened that. to that was like that was like yesterday. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's see, that's the problem. There's like so many different drops, and I can't even keep uh, keep them straight in my mind. Um, I know. Me that's neither. Mikey's Mikey's project. Yeah, that was that was a that was a great that was a great a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. That project. Yeah, that drop it was there. great community um, projects as well. Like everyone yeah. getting in on the theme. I thought, I thought it yeah, was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody rallying around the theme. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, so Lily, quick question. What, um, so what, what fellow artists are you, uh, are you looking at these days? Like who do you, whose work do you admire that, you know, you pay attention yeah. to? Oh, great. Um, it's a great opportunity to highlight some artists. I mean, obviously within the AI space where we're like one big studio of artists all working in, you know, quite close proximity, seeing, you know, new works coming through. It's such a incredible way to be working and I think there's a lot of influences that you can see coming through different artists picking up on themes and and running with ideas which is an incredible way to work I think um, yeah. it is like you know a modern day artist studio um yeah. but yeah look, or, a, I think, or a collective at the very least yeah 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 that's right and like we've got contemporaries who are um yeah, we can see what they're experimenting with in real time, which is pretty special. Um, but I think, yeah, I've got, I actually wrote down a whole range of names in terms of artists that obviously inspire me and that I consider great artists within the space. Um, yeah, there's some artists that initially uh, introduced me to AI, like Anna Kondo, whose work oh, is sure. yeah. so beautiful. And she was really pioneering like early experiments with portraiture with AI. And I really enjoy that. That was sort of January, February, 2021. Um, and she's, she's fearless and wonderful. Um, yeah, and has she is, she is. And Anna's such uh, a broad is collection. A one of a kind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amazing. Um, but yeah, other artists uh, like uh, Marina uh, Amadov, um, she's producing beautiful work at the moment. Pale Kirill, Graphica, Moe, Wellington. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, Wellington. Yeah, yeah, I, lo I love his uh, work, yeah. Beautiful portraits, just so stunning. Um, and, you know, I think, well, like, being in that space is just, yeah, it's really fueling and I think – you're constantly pushing yourself and evolving because there's such immediate feedback and iteration within, yeah, close proximity with other artists. It's really beautiful. Um, and then, you know, there's artists in real life, contemporary painters who 
I'm, I love the work of and uh, I also collect. Um, as a beautiful Australian painter who uh, was based for some time and maybe still uh, based in the south of France, but his name is Geordie Kowick, Um and he's been exhibiting quite um, incredibly across the US and in Europe as well. And his paintings are just stunning, um, really raw and naive in, in a way, but just gorgeous, really beautiful still lives. Um, yeah. And there's a Pakistani painter called Salman Tour, um, and his work is just beautiful, beautiful oil paintings. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's so many artists that I could mention. There are. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it, it sounds like you're pretty active in, on the collecting end of thing, uh, side of things. So um, I wish I, know, I could right, be we, more. I don't have the funds, but yeah. I know, right? <laughs> I'll collect from know. afar. Yeah, it's one, one could be collecting all day long, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. It's easier to collect on Tezos. Just I'll just use my profits and pop it back into the community. Yeah. And All right. So, Lily, we've come. We're at the one uh, one hour and twenty minute mark. So I feel like we need to. Uh, we're close to wrapping it up. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you the last question that I ask everybody. Everybody hates this question, but I I ask it anyway. Uh, which is um, Lily in uh, in one year, Lily in five years, and Lily in te- in twenty years. I so saw where you. Where do we find you on March 30, 2024? Where where do we find uh, Lily? Yeah, I, I have a blanket <laughs> answer uh, for all of those things, which is just artist. Um, artist in one year, artist in five years, artist in 20 years. I feel very grateful to reclaim that title. So, yeah, I'm that's not going to let that's, it. That's a noble, that's a noble um goal right it's a noble uh, um, life goal right and yeah uh, and to be a working artist right yeah that's right so, yeah I yeah. I think um you know <laughs> my punctuation of career has is ending and my my babies are growing up so it feels you know I think your 40s your 50s you have wisdom you have um, a sense of purpose and a drive to make the most of those years so that's, yes, that's- <laughs> with, with, without a doubt. Yeah, 100%. Um, well said, uh, Lily. So listen, I wanted to thank you for making the time, for taking the time uh, to join me on the on the podcast and really sharing your, you know, your vision, your your background, your, uh, your, your, your formative years. And, uh, and most important, like really, you know, peeling the layers uh, of your, of your art, right. And kind of getting to the core of it, what informs it, what makes it special. And, um, and so that we get a better perspective into, um, into your creative process so that we can collect even more. Right. And as we are persuaded by the, uh, the, just the raw talent behind it. Um, so again, I wanted to thank you. I wish you uh, a long, uh, and prolific career. Um, and, uh, we're all here for it. <laughs> So, um, thank so you thank so you much. again. Um, I've had such yeah. a lovely time getting to know you too. It's been so lovely. Thank you so much for asking me questions and, and wanting to know about my work. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's lovely. And big hugs to you. I'm so grateful. Yeah. Thank you. My, uh, my pleasure. For everybody listening, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, again, this is uh, Michele Colonna. I'm your host. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at the handle mcolona65. That's M C O L O. NNA 65. Until the next episode. Bye-bye, everybody.